Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York. And Boca Raton, Florida. It's the Freight 360 Podcast. From freight broker sales tips to sports talk, this podcast is all about helping you grow as a freight broker. We're your hosts, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right. Welcome back. Episode 136 of the Freight 360 Podcast. And we're both broadcasting from Boca Raton. Is it Raton or Raton? Raton. Raton, Boca Raton, Florida today. So poolside, I, um, good. We're recording a little earlier. It's a Friday afternoon today. As if you're on YouTube watching, I've got myself decked out in Red Sox gear. It's opening day for the Red Sox. They pretty much the whole division got postponed yesterday from weather, but we're down here. It's going to be a good episode, man. How you doing? Looking forward to it. Enjoying some nice sunny weather. It's not too humid outside. Beautiful. Absolutely outside, enjoying the weather. So today's episode, we recently have a, I don't know if it released yet, I don't think it has, but we're going to do a full episode on some of the organizations that you can um, join or partake in as a freight broker. The The YouTube video, it should be launching this month. It's it's only about five or six minutes long, but we're going we're gonna to peel back the layers on a bunch of the different um, organizations. We'll talk TIA, we'll talk the Blue Book Services, UIIA, IANA. Uh, and the list goes on from there. So we'll, we'll we'll dig into them. But first, if you're brand new here, welcome. We're so glad you found us on this special episode of the Freight 360 podcast. If you've been with us for a while, we appreciate your continued listenership. Keep sending us all of your questions, and we'll look forward to you know continuing to deliver you guys more and more content down the road. Um, Want to do a little sports? Yeah, man. Just a little sports recap here before we before we jump into it. So obviously, it's Masters weekend. We were just watching it briefly earlier. Um, Tiger, he did tee off this week. He did, so. and he was one under. One of, I think, only 17 people that uh, were under par yesterday. So, great start for Tiger. I mean, huge Tiger fan. Going to be pulling for him. Hopefully, makes it through the weekend. Yeah. He's going to be teeing off either just had or very shortly. So I think he just did. They were showing, I think he's a, I think he's on his third hole today as of right now. It's, it's in the afternoon here, so. Um, looking forward to see if he, you know, will he make the cut? Will he finish top 50, top 20? Will he finish? Who knows? So, but you could tell visibly watching him that his swing is not as powerful as it was. Uh, just glad to see the guy swinging sticks again. No, honestly, that's what, that's the way I look at it. Hell yeah. I mean, huge tiger fan going to be, you know, watch. I think he was actually the betting favorite or close to it, which was surprising because he had some ridiculous odds at the start, but. (laughs) They are probably trying to tempt people into it is what it came down to. So I saw the one that I saw was like plus 100. So basically even money. If he finished like top 20 or 50 or something like that, Um, he was plus 800. So eight to one if he won it. Um, But who knows? He's he's gotten a green jacket before. We shall see (laughs) five of them. Yeah. Is that what it is? Five? Yeah. Wow. Impressive. Jack has six. The only one with more. Okay. And I think Arnold Palmer has four, three or four. four. Okay. Um, Red Sox at the time of this recording, it was three to three against the Yankees in New York. Xander, not Xander Bogarts. Uh, Rafael Devers had a nice two run homer in the first inning. It was like a five score inning. Um, that's a lot for baseball, but um Nothing else really going on in the sports world. Just uh, I love seeing baseball back on. I could have it on TV all day long in my office and, you know, just have it on in the background. It's a very long, boring game to some people, but I'll take it. So let's give a shout out to our friends over at DAT Freight and Analytics before we hop into it. Taking the guesswork out of freight with DAT. 
The DAT Load Board Network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane. Grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners, and you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. With the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. Check out the show notes. Support us at Freight 360 for a free month of Power Express or Trucker's Edge. Can't stress that enough. We were talking to somebody earlier that bought like seven licenses. Yes. Didn't get the free month. So make sure, use that link, the affiliate link we've got, that you'll get a free month of any of those three load boards there. So whether you're a broker, a carrier, or both, there's always one that's right for you. Well, good stuff. So, um Freight Broker Associations, I think the reason I wanted to have this conversation is because I've had people ask me, like, hey, do I need to join this? Do I need to join that? What's the TIA and all that stuff? So there's a lot of stuff out there for brokers to get involved in, a lot of organizations that you can join. Most of them cost money, if not all of them. Um, So just like any other tool in your tool belt as a broker, you're going to get what you pay for, and you don't need everything, but there's a lot of value in a lot of these organizations that are out there. So... um, I want to start off with TIA. Obviously, we're a trusted partner of TIA. A lot of the reputable brokers out there are paid TIA members. Um, some of you folks that listen, I know um, we've had guests on the show as well, will actually go to the annual conference, and they move it around from year it's to right year. Now, by the way. Yeah, it is. It's going on in... San Diego. Yep, California. So we, I remember a few years back, the brokerage I worked for, we sent, our, we sent a, an IT guy and... A, like a business development rep out to the conference. It was in Palm Springs, California. And I think what's cool is when they do these trade shows, they've got vendors that have uh, tabletop booths and everything set up. But you can walk around and learn all the new tools and tech that's out there. You can, if you're, um, you know, if you're into like the, I don't know, all the, the latest and greatest little pop-up startups, a lot of those tech companies will set up a booth there, whether it's like your tracking capabilities, TMSs, um, automation for billing or anything, right? They, they usually have a booth there. Um, but when I talk about TIA, the, it's not just bringing folks together. They are the voice of transportation professionals throughout North America. So um, like we had Trey on a couple times in the last year and so, or year or so, and he was down at uh, something in DC, right? Cause they're based mm-hmm. in, I think it's in Northern Virginia, right yeah, outside of DC. Yep. And they are literally the boots on the ground voice that's lobbying for transportation professionals. So it doesn't matter if you're a forwarder or a broker or a carrier. We all fall into that realm and that sphere of, of logistics folks. And they're the ones that are, when it comes to regulations and, um, you know, anything at the federal or government level in the United States and D.C., TIA, that's, those are our people, right? Exactly. So I want to kind of talk through, you know, their membership and some of their offerings um, every brokerage I've worked for has been a member of TIA. It's not a very expensive price tag. I think they're like, it's under a thousand bucks a year. I want to say like 700 or something like that. And some of the, the basic things that you get for be, being a TIA member as a broker model contracts. And this is huge. We talk to folks that are new all the time. Like, Hey, I need a, I need a contract for, you know, broker to carrier, or I want a, a co-broker agreement or you name it. Right. Mm-hmm. And they have attorneys and legal professionals that have, gone through and they have tons of experience in this realm and they've gone through and they've vetted these contracts. They've curated them from scratch and they'll tweak them and their members get access to these model contracts. So if you're a broker and you're like, Hey, I want to set up with um, this company and they want me to sign a, a co-broker agreement with them because they're a freight forwarder or another 3PL company. 
uh, and I don't have one. Where do I go? Well, TIA can give you an example of a, a, a very good sample model contract. And all you have to do is swap out like broker A and broker B to the name of your company and the name of the company that is asking you to sign a co-brokerage agreement with them. So that's one big benefit. Obviously, the lobbying part, you don't have to be a member. They're speaking on our behalf uh, throughout the year, whether or not you're a TIA member. Um, but again, the conferences, the model contracts, and then they also have really, really good training and coaching options for people that want a structured um, coaching course. And you and I actually were, were guest coaches for them on some of their, uh, was it the new broker success package? Yeah, we've been coaching the new broker success package over a year now, a year yep. and a half. So we run um, those with Chris Jolly, if any of you have ever seen him out there on LinkedIn or the freight coach. He's one of the other coaches with the TIA, but it's, it's nice. They've got great structure to it. Um, we talk a lot about similar things that we do in you know, our group coaching program, but it's another avenue. It's another resource. Um, and again, they're just really large advocates for us into government when they're passing legislation, bills, when things are being proposed and debated, the language within a bill, how, what it's, how and what it's going to regulate, how and what it's supposed to help and where, when we need that voice in that process, right? They're the ones that are speaking again on behalf of us that know what it's like to do the job of being a broker. They know the stresses and they know the pros and cons of, you know, just the industry. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, Another thing, too, that they have is their CTV. So I've seen a lot of folks out there on LinkedIn, and they'll put kind of how like a doctor will have MD afterward, or, you know, someone who has a, a PhD will put PhD or ESQ for the attorneys out there. Um, some folks on, on LinkedIn will put comma CTV in their title, and it's the Certified Transportation Broker course that they have there. And this is designed for folks that have been in the industry long enough. Typically, you've been doing it for a couple of years, and... It's a, it's a fairly rigorous course that folks will do over the, I, I want to say it's a few months long, or it could be nine months. I have no idea, but I think they do a new, they start a new session like every quarter or something like that. So the CTV, they go through and they make sure that everyone that gets that designation has gone through their, ex, I, I don't want to call it too extensive because if you've been doing the job for a while, you, you have a lot of experience yourself, but they give you a lot of the things that you may not have learned the right way at your company. They make sure that you, you know the proper regulations, right? You, you know what it is and make sure it's up to date. Cause there's some smaller brokerages out there that when they train their new folks, some of their material that they're training on could be 10 years old, right? It's not uncommon to create an onboarding process for your company and just let it sit there. Well, I'd say that's probably more common than uncommon. I'd say <laughs> yeah. like, that's probably like the standard, right? Is that most companies do this once. And again, it's a heavy lift to put a training program together. It takes usually dozens, if not hundreds of hours, putting it together, reviewing it, testing it. And most companies, unfortunately, just don't review that. I mean, there are people that literally, we were talking about that earlier. There's somebody in our space that hasn't literally updated their material in the better part of a decade. Yep. And it's like, things change. The industry progresses. We don't use the same tools we used a decade ago, even three years ago. Yep. I mean, even two in some instances. I saw a, um, you know, there's hundreds of people out there that will offer broker training for someone that's new and you have to sit through the garbage. And I saw one of them that, and it's a fairly, a, it's a, a individual that does a good amount of sales and a lot of volume and a lot of students that go through. And the course material said that the freight broker surety bond requirement was $10,000. And that hasn't been the case for close to 10 years now. It's, it's been $75,000. I want to say since like 2014 or 13 or 12, whatever the case might be. Since before I came into the industry. Well, there you go. And when did you start? 20, 2015? 15? 
Yep. So TIA, they're always going to steer in the right direction as far as their, their content and having stuff up to date. They also have the, we talked about the new broker success package. So whether it is, um, you know, you want to start a brokerage or it's, an, you know, focused just on being an agent or something like that, they take you through the modules of their course. And uh, a lot of it is, is similar to what we teach. Um, and again, we're, we're trusted partners of theirs. We do a lot of their coaching for them and we've seen the material and help them out with designing it and keeping it up to date. Um, so the stuff there, they'll take you through the training. And then on top of that, that that's the self-study thing. They have their coaching that, you know, we assist with along with Chris Jolly, where these folks meet for, it's like, you know, twice a month for what, four months, something like that, a trimester, yeah. I think they call it. And you go through a series of modules that you're going to cover the financial aspect of brokering, the leads generation part, um, sales in general, uh, maintaining a pipeline, how to deal with carriers, um, pricing lanes and, and loads and the tools and technology that you need, right? How to, how to be a leader in your organization. You go through all that stuff. So that's TIA against the Transportation Intermediaries Association and um, their website. I want to say tianet.org is where you can find them. So I'm, I'm confident on that one. We can throw it in the show links anyway. <laughs> so I just did the video on it. Oh, touche. So tell me a little bit about, I mean, Blue Book. Um, yep. who, who uses it? Why do they use it? Why is it valuable? Why should anyone pay for it? Yeah, so the, the Blue Book, it's, it's Blue Book Services or the Produce Blue Book, depending on how you've heard it and which website you go to. Uh, not to be confused with Kelly Blue Book. Because I've had people say, I'm like, hey, you know, uh, have you looked at the Blue Book or are you registered with I them? I know how much my car is worth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, not the same thing. So what the Blue Book Services does or the Produce Blue Book, if you've had a call by that, they are a, they're very focused on produce, obviously, as the name would let you think, um, and lumber as well. They have a, a portion of their, of their market space that's focused on the, the, the lumber industry. Um, but both shippers of produce and transportation companies in the produce sector um, are, are brought together in the blue book realm. So a lot of the things that they'll do is they'll have market insights. They'll have all kinds of articles on what's going on lately and, you know, what's about to harvest and things like that. But what I personally think is awesome about them, is, and it, as a broker, this is a huge lead generation and a value add to your customers and prospects, is that they have a directory of all of the produce folks that are registered with them, as well as the transportation providers, right? So you can go in there, and if you're talking to a produce company, you can simply say, hey, look me up on Blue Book. They'll see your credit history, right? Your company's information. You can get references off of Blue Book. And having that directory, you can see all the produce companies in there. And that's a, a massive lead generation tool for you right there. And I think they charge, it's like 200 something dollars annually per individual license to access it. And it's, not, it's, you know, it's a subscription that you do every single year. Here's what I really liked about it is like, I've been able to flip customers, like turn a prospect into a customer and like two calls with that. Not everyone, but it's because basically it works two ways. Like once you're a member, like you have your blue book number. So what I learned when I was using this last year was when I'm calling through it, they ask you, Hey, like, that's what I'd say in my prospecting call. Hey, I, you know, saw your information in blue book, saw your shipping watermelons down in Florida, want to know, and then just kind of go into it. Nine times out of 10, they asked me, Hey, what's your blue book number? They check it real quick. Yep. Now all of a sudden, like all of the like needing to establish trust wasn't really necessary. Yeah. Like they were able to see us as a company. They could see our rating, just like you said. And it was really just it went from there to the next the next statement was, Hey, this is what I'm moving. Can you guys help me with it? 
Yep. And it was just super streamlined. Yeah, I think about those first uh, handful of prospecting calls that you had when, you know, they're just trying to figure out, is this person even credible, right? Do yeah. they do they know their butt from their elbow, right? Do they have any idea what they're talking about? And you can just jump past all that BS on that first or second call due to your credibility from being registered with Blue Books. Now, again, obviously, like... The amount of your credit history right now, if you've been in business a month, there's probably not that many things for them to be able to see yet about you. But again, as you're building those things, as you're making small wins, as you're getting your carriers to report more for your credit, like those things will start increasing and these things will get easier. Yeah, right? absolutely. So that's Blue Book. Check them out. It is bluebookservices.com. And I also believe you can go to producebluebook.com. You know what else is cool too? And I didn't What's want to add before is... The prospecting aspect, it gives you so many different ways to dig in. Like you can dig into the size of the company, not only just the commodity, you could dig into like their credit terms as a shipper. There are different values. I think it was like, they had like a grading system, like A, AAA. Oh yeah. Yep. So like you could also get a chance to sort your prospects by these criteria before you ever pick up the call. Yeah. So. Very similar to how I've talked about using like a, a chamber of commerce website where you can yep. sift through by industry, by size, all that stuff. It just gives you it gives you a really quick way to dial in to go at where you want to go in, in the prospecting realm. And it also works as a two way street. I, I think it's, you know, for their cost, if you're planning on moving and doing any type of produce, it's worth the 200 bucks. Yep. Absolutely agree. And you can take something like Blue Book and use it as a secondary or in conjunction with another prospecting tool. So let's say, for example, you found someone in Blue Book and you can't get a hold of them. Well, maybe you want to revert to your Zoom info or to LinkedIn or something else to try and find another person at that company, right? Because typically you're going to have one point of contact listed in a directory versus a giant network full of people. So use them in conjunction. Yep. What's next on our list? We got IANA and the UIIA. Woo! <clears throat> so IANA, IANA, or IANA, whatever, however you want to pronounce it. It is the Intermodal Association of North America, okay? And what's nested underneath that is the UIIA. And we've talked about this before in previous episodes. UIIA is the Uniform Intermodal, and you might have to help me out here. Interchange. And Interchange Facilities agreement. Access Agreement. Yeah. It's a lot of words. They short it to UIIA. Um, so you do a lot of work in this now. I've done it in the past. I don't currently do anything in it. But here's the way I try to explain it in a nutshell, and I'll let you break it down in more detail. So when you think about intermodal, right, we're talking about not just over the road. We're, we're talking about it involves a port because it's, you know, containers coming off of a ship and onto a chassis connected to a power-only truck. Or it could be it's coming off of a – it's a container coming off of a, um, you know, off of a train in a rail yard and getting transloaded onto a chassis – or a flatbed, or whatever the case might be, right? And all of these facilities, your rail yards, your ports, they have different requirements to access them. They have different contracts. And in addition to that, think about all these equipment providers, right? So whether it's a, um, a, a box or container company that, you know, the actual steamship line that owns the containers and owns the vessels, right? They have all their own contracts and their own legal requirements. UIIA brings it all together into one uniform location, which is why it's called what it's called, the Uniform Intermodal and Interchange Facilities Access Agreement, right? Puts them all into one place. So when you get an account with them, if you're a motor carrier, right, you can go in there and check off, oh, I want to be uh, certified for this port 
or for this rail yard, or I want to be certified to haul, you know, this company's um, containers, right? And they'll, they might have some separate additional contracts or credit checks or, you know, lines of credit, whatever you have to do to get certified with them, but it's all done in one place. And as a broker, you can't be a member of it, but it is your job to make sure that the motor carriers you're using are registered in there. Yep. I mean, as a broker, you can be a member of IANA, not UIIA. Um, it helps a little bit in the sales process, but I don't necessarily know there's that much direct benefit to being a member as a broker. Now, the UIIA, if you do not own assets, you cannot be a member. So just to reiterate some of the things that Nate had pointed out, what they basically do is they that organization houses and manages every one of the procurement agreements for every one of the major steamship lines and all of the rail terminals. So even though your carrier may be a member of the UIIA, doesn't necessarily mean they are approved to move every type of steamship line box because the steamship lines typically own the containers or are approved in every rail terminal. They have different insurance requirements. They have different credit requirements. And that's primarily where you would find that out. So, and what that actually means is, so let's say you're going to move a drayage load, whether it's a rail terminal or a port, you need to verify that your carrier is a UIA member, but also that they are approved for the specific steamship line that owns that container and the rail terminal if you're pulling it from a rail terminal, right? And they'll likely know that. And if they aren't, you can always direct them back to the UIIA where they can go and get approved and go through that vetting process. It usually takes between two or three days to a week, depending on which one they're getting approved. And they're all a little bit different. And that's really what they kind of standardized the intermodal industry. Before that, you just had very long contracts that required lots of attorneys. They basically standardized it so that the people can just do what they do best. Move the loads and know that they've got all the approved documents and everything's in place and everybody has visibility. Because the other thing they do is they manage this like on the ground. When your driver goes in to pull a container, if they aren't, they can't get the container. If they're not approved at that rail terminal like BNSF, as opposed to, you know, Union Pacific, they can't get that container. They can't return that. So, like, the system literally will prevent anybody that is not in it and approved from even doing the actual work. Yep. It does not operate like you checking the insurance for a truckload, and if they don't have it, they can still pick up the load. In this case, they literally cannot even do the work. Yep. Yep, they will get checked at the gate. I've <laughs> I have seen and I have had drivers that will call in they're like i'm getting you know i'm getting told no here and it's like well you have to be registered in their system so mm -hmm. that will happen all right next up oh and to find them intermodal.org is the iana website and uiia.org is the uiia website next up we have nastic the national association of small trucking companies now specifically i want to talk about they have this thing called the best broker program so um, the, the NASDAQ, the organization, they're based in Tennessee. They do an annual conference just like TIA does, but they are very carrier focused. And as the name suggests, small carriers, right? So, you know, you're talking not your mega fleets of like 5,000 trucks. We're talking about hundred trucks or less, 50 trucks or less, maybe seven, eight, nine, ten 10 trucks. Okay. And overall, their organization is designed to bring these folks together and, and they have a community of vendors around them that can help them out with fuel cards and tires and ELDs and stuff like that. But where the broker side comes in is 
in, I think it was 1991, they established the NASDAQ Best Brokers Program or Best Brokers List. And what that'll do is if you can get on that list, which you're technically, you have to be invited. You can't just apply for it. But it's, it's as simple as um, getting connected with somebody there and asking, hey, can you uh, invite me to your program? And they have a, a series of vetting procedures. But if you can get on that best brokers list and you, you're a member of NASDAQ in that regard, smaller carriers, and we all know how hard it is to get a carrier right now compared to, you know, three, four years ago. Well, smaller carriers that are members of NASDAQ, and there's like 20 or 30,000 of them. That is massively huge for you to have credibility, just like the Blue Book services like we talked about. So you're going to get access to like 20,000 carriers that are already in their network with all their information, plus you have credibility with them. Now, to be a member or to be on that best brokers list, three years, right? You have to be in business for three years, and you have to have a, a good credit rating. And I think the actual score is 80 or higher is what they listed it as, depending on which agency um, they're looking at. So it's not just a gimme, right? If you're a brand new broker, this one's going to be out of your out of your reach, right? Uh, or if you've been in business for ten years and you just suck and you've got you're not paying carriers on time, then it's out of your reach as well. Which is why you know they call it the best broker program for a reason. These are truly high, you know, high octane, high quality vetted care, vetted brokers who have a track record of doing the right thing and following through on their promises of paying carriers on time as they agreed upon and treating carriers with respect. So and I think that's honestly, NASDAQ. and it's worth considering. I mean, if you are around the three year mark and you're three to four to five years, I mean, there's a pretty big upside for a pretty low cost to being able to increase your carrier base by another. I think it was ten thousand, maybe it was twenty thousand, but it's, it's a lot though. It was significant enough that I feel like it's worthwhile, and I feel like it gets you the harder to find carriers. Yeah, those are the ones that they are on the load boards, but just due to their size, you're just not going to typically just run into them unless they happen to be looking for a load on the day you happen to be posting it. And I think these are great ways to build, you know, email blasts for certain niche carriers for certain local loads, the ones that are notoriously hard to cover. Yeah. I went to the NASDAQ annual conference in Nashville in 2015, and it was really cool. Uh, I had a booth set up for my brokerage um, and you can go there as a broker, as a carrier or as a vendor, but brokers go there to connect with carriers there. And the carriers go there to walk around. They want to see all the vendors there that have like the fuel cards and the tires and insurance and all that stuff. Um, but they also want to talk to brokers and know, hey, what do you guys have going on for this next quarter, this next season, this next year? What kind of what kind of customers do you have in lanes available? And that's how you can really lock down capacity. And we know when you can get face to face with somebody, it is way more effective in your relationship building and your prospecting and just your overall carrier development than it is over the phone or over email. I couldn't agree more. I think there's a lot of value in these conferences. I mean, whether it's, you know, NASDAQ or whether it's even just Matson, you know, the Mid-American Truck Conference. Oh, yeah. It was the last one I, I think I'd went to. Matt's Mid-American Matt. Trucking Show. That's yeah. right. Yep. And I mean, same thing with the TIA going on in San Diego. Like, these are great opportunities to get some face time with other people in your industry learn what uh, what your peers are doing, learn what's working, but also learn what they've maybe tried that isn't working. Yep. As well as on the carrier side. I mean, you can build some really long-lasting relationships that are really going to add some dollars to your bottom line as well as just make your life easier. Absolutely. What do we got next up on our list here? So the next we have is Smartway? Smartway. Smartway. Okay. If you've ever seen the little green leaf icon or logo in someone's email signature, that is Smartway. All right. This is, again, more focused towards carriers, but brokers, you can be a member of it as well. So Smartway 
comes to you from the U.S. EPA. That's the Environmental Protection Agency. Now, the carrier side, I want to talk about that for a second first. Their whole goal is is at, you know, helping the environment out and reducing emissions long term. So carriers that join SmartWay and are members of SmartWay are part of that environmental cause, right? There's not a there's not a huge direct um, result or impact that you get from being a, a member of it, um, but it shows your dedication to the environment, to our long-term success through the EPA's goals. Now, brokers can also be a part of that as well by, hey, you know, I want to, you know, I, I would prefer to work with a carrier that's part of SmartWay, right? And again, SmartWay, there's a, there's a, um, a membership directory as well. So you get that kind of that ad, added benefit there. Um, I don't know that many people use it for that reason, but it's more of that moral feel-good type of thing that a lot of folks will use. Um, I, I don't know for sure, but I imagine there's probably some sort of, um, whether it's a tax benefit or some something, right? Whether it's a preference on government rates, something like that, there's usually a requirement that, hey, you, you have to play by our rules if you want to be treated beneficially or allowed to hop in on this opportunity. So um, smart way, like I said, not a huge direct benefit, but there's a lot of the Hey, you're joining. You're behind the cause, and you're you're part of the force that's trying to do good for the future. These will become more and more prevalent as time passes. I mean, especially yes, with will. the pushes that you're seeing for zero carbon footprint by large, large companies. I think Walmart's like zero carbon by like 2050. Like, yep. And as this becomes more of an issue, and it becomes more front of mind, the more these things are going to be beneficial. Yep. Don't be surprised if you start seeing either preference points given to, to certain brokers that have this by certain customers that are on board with that or requirements from some of them. So yep. that is the uh, smart way. So those are the, those are the top five. Is there any other organizations or anything that you could think of? No, I mean, that kind of rounds out pretty much everything that I can think of. Um, what I want to add in is these are communities, right? And they're not limited to just these paid for communities. It is good to get, you know, to join a community or an organization, whether it's on Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever, right? Where these are folks that work in our space, right? We all we all deal with a lot of the, the same similar things and we all understand the same concepts. And it's it's all about networking and connecting with folks that are on the same page as you. And I think that's like it's tremendously important too, as more and more of us are working from home, as more and more of us we're still working with each other, but whether it's through a video chat or through phone calls, these times, even if it's once or twice a year, if you can get out and get to one of these a year, I think it's just tremendously valuable. Yep, absolutely. So we got three questions today in our Q&A, but first, I got to give a shout out to our friends over at Lean Solutions Group. You can check them out. There's always an affiliates link in the show notes or the description box on YouTube, but it's leangroup.com. So this quarter, the big topic that we want to really drill into is the labor shortage. So lean staffing, that's one of their four main divisions. Lean staffing is the leader in the near shore model of staffing. So they've got multiple offices down in Columbia, South America, and these are trained and um, already hired and vetted folks that work and know the transportation world. So when you go through a hiring process with them, first of all, it's going to be way less expensive and, and cost you less than if you were to hire somebody off the street. Plus you don't have to go through the hiring process of, Oh, should I hire my family member or this friend I know, or some random Joe Schmo I found on indeed or zip recruiter. No, these are vetted people that have already gone through a rigorous training for a month or more in transportation. And they can start up day one, learn your TMS, learn your standard operating procedure for your company and hit the ground running. So check them out at leangroup.com specifically lean staffing. 
All right, three questions. And the first one is about freight waves. I believe a where, member asked us, what'd they ask? Where does freight wave get its data and is it relevant? <laughs> so anyone who is into the news, right, when it comes to freight and logistics, you probably come across freight waves. They have a daily newsletter that goes out. Their website is packed full of content. They've got videos. They've got articles. They've got blogs. They've got daily shows. There's a lot of them, right? Kevin Hill runs Put That Coffee Down. Um, so have a handful, half a dozen at this point. Yeah. Oh yeah. So where do they get their data from? Well, they have on their staff, just like DAT, they have analysts that that is their full-time job. They're not, they're not hauling freight. They're not slinging loads and brokering freight day to day. They have a background in the industry and they're, they're heavily nested into transportation, but their job, these are folks that they find true passion in the information, what's going on in the news, whether it's government regulations or what are rates doing or, Hey, this big lawsuit just popped up, right? We saw like they, they, I'm pretty sure they broke the story about the, the TQL employment scandal stuff, right? Um, so is there, where do they get their data from? Well, it's from the, the folks inside the same way that a news outlet would get their information. Freight waves is a news outlet for the freight mm-hmm. world, right? Freight waves. Um, is it credible? I would absolutely believe it is. And I, I do believe it is. And I read their stuff every single day. I get their newsletter. Some pops up. It's interesting. You better bet I'm I'm going to be reading that. So um, let me ask you this: though. Go ahead. Yeah. Like, there's this like the data that goes into their product. They pull that. Isn't it directly reported by like their large partners as well as? Yeah. So if you so they do have a product called Sonar. Sonar is a rating and macro level. Um, really, it's like an economics tool that'll show you a lot of the macro level data that's going on inside of the freight world. So whether that is you know outbound or inbound tender rejection rates or um, class eight truck orders, um, anything related to containers, right? The volume of containers coming into the ports or out of the ports. Um, Sonar, it's S-O-N-A-R in all capital letters. That's their paid for rating and macroeconomic or macro level um, data tool. And yes, when it comes to their rates, they have a a co-op or a conglomerate. I believe it's 25 very, very large brokers who opted in to sharing their data. And in return, they get the pool of everyone else in that conglomerate, that co-op, they get to see everyone's data. Now here's, what's cool about it. A product like DAT rate view or like truck stops rate mate, it's their data is three days old or older, yeah. right? Depending on the lane. The majority of it's like, I think seven, seven, 15, 30, right? Yeah. Freight waves. They have their data uploaded on sonar every 24 hours. So you're, you're literally getting yesterday's data which is a lot more accurate than three days ago or a week ago. So it is credible. I personally use it at my company and we're big fans of it. Some people, I have a guy that um, he more so than the rates, he loves the macro level data because he can arm himself in a conversation to a customer and explain to them, this is why rates are where they are. And based on the trend that I'm seeing, here's what I can project for you. How many brokers are doing that? Very, very few. Very exactly. few are even thinking about it, let yep. alone executing it, let alone having the tools to be able to execute it. And I think any way that you can add more value back to that relationship, you're going to benefit, you're going to see more business, and you're going to see happier customers, and the result's going to be everybody's winner. Yep. All right. Next question. The, the question is, hey, I know rates have dropped. And it even added and carrier um, margins going up. Yeah. And capacity is looser. Are, are you guys all seeing bigger margins? And I, so I, I did some research on it because 
what this guy or gal saw is probably just in his neck of the woods or yes. the, the business that he's running. The loads on. he's running for yes. his customer in this one area seems that they're trending down. Yep. So, so he, here's what I found. I went to Rateview on DAT and I ran the national averages for flatbed, reefer, van. They have intermodal listed on there too. And I looked at the last 12 months and here's what we actually found out. Rates have not gone down across the board at a national level. Flatbed leveled out. Van and Reefer have slowed their increase, but they have still gone up, right? It's kind of like people talk about the housing market. Oh, is it going to crash? Well, a lot of a lot of economists are saying, well, it's, maybe it won't crash, but it may level out. It may s- slow its increase, things like that. But do we actually know it's a bubble? We don't know. And in freight, what we've seen is it has not declined nationally. We've seen more of a leveling out. And in, in fact, with Van and Reefer, it's still going up. And when you see the cost of living go up, and when you see um, interest rates go up, when you see the price of overall the, the economy, when things cost more and there's more demand, right, you will still see a slight increase. Yes, we know that we are in a, can we call it a recessionary time or a decline economically? It's more of like a retractionary period okay. right now until like a, you get a correction. two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. It's not considered a recession. There's the, there, there's the economist. You went to, you're like a Carnegie Mellon guy, right? Uh, a little bit. A little bit. Did some course study there. Um, yeah, so right. here's the reality is I think you're right. I think it's two consecutive quarters. If I remember from my days at Canisius College in Buffalo, New York, in my my business classes. Um, so here's here's the reality. Yep. When rates go down for, you know, this is cyclical, right? When we had Ken Adam on from DAT, he is their chief analytics guy, right? He, he's yep. a numbers guy. I don't want to call him numbers nerd because he's definitely not a nerd. Awesome dude. Um, but he loves numbers the same way the guys at Freight Waves love the news and information around our space. Um, when rates go up, they typically go back down and the cycle is about 18 months. Supply and demand is what's going to drive this. And that 18 months can shrink. It can extend outward depending on all the external factors. So we saw almost an entire market cycle during the COVID shutdowns in about a two-month period that you would normally see in one and a half years. So when carrier rates go down, customers will pick up on it, right? For a small period of time, you can see increased margin because, um, you know, it's going to cost you less to get a truck, but you might have some agreed-upon rates for the next, you know, three, four weeks with a customer. Or you've just been doing that consistent rate every single week with them, and they're good with it. But when they start to find, hey, I'm getting it cheaper here, they're going to come knocking on your door. Hey, Nate. Hey, Ben. Um, it's We're getting it cheaper here. What's going on? And your rates will fall back down with it. Now, I always say your margin percentage should roughly stay consistent across the board. Whether the prices are higher or lower, your percentage should stay at a healthy range. And it typically is somewhere in the low to mid-teens across the board, right? We've seen, I think the highest I've seen is like 16% when that was like, uh, 2018, 19, something, I think 2019. Um, but the dollar amount that is calculated against that percentage will change, right? So as, as prices go up, if your margin stays at a, a certain more dollars, you're going to make more dollars, right? Um, but the cost to do business also goes up because you're having a cash flow and pay factoring on that amount of money. So keep that in mind. And when they go down, it goes down dollar amount wise too. And your cost of capital goes down. And to be honest, where, I mean, how you'll usually see it is your larger, more sophisticated shippers that ship, you know, a couple hundred loads a week. 
they'll be on top of it faster because they they just see it faster because they have more loads and they might not even see it as in the rates fall, but they'll see their fallout percentage goes down. Yep. They'll see their on time percentage go up. Those are the things that let them know that like, they're probably paying a little bit more than they needed to, or in relation to where they were the week or two before. Right. Yep. And then that's what leads them to start pulling the reins back and start bringing it down the smaller shippers that honestly aren't working with many brokers that are working with maybe one or two brokers and a bunch of assets, like they might not see it that quickly. I mean, they might yep. be a couple of weeks behind, maybe even a month or two before they're really noticing that you're getting trucks cheaper than you were before. So, Hey Ben, you want to know how to get higher margins? Do a better job as a freight broker, be a better problem, better problem solver, right? Yep. Treat your customers the right way and treat them better than the average person does work on that harder freight and become an expert in a, in your craft and our, in our, in our field and industry. So when you get those more difficult opportunities, the margin and the profits will follow as long as you do the right things and you do, do a good job at it. Hmm. So that's my take. It's not about the cost of shipping going up or down. No, it's about the job that you do. You, a lot of folks will find when they're brand new, you know, their margin is nothing because they're not moving any freight, right? And then they get into some of this this uh, load list type of stuff. So they've, they've got lumber and steel that they're bidding against 30 other brokers on. And it's thin margin because it's high competition. When you get into a niche or a very specialized part of the corner of the industry, there's less competition and you can get paid what you're worth. And we talked a lot about that in the episode recently we did on just the, the different stages, right? At first, we start to bid to win freight just to get, you know, access to it so that the shipper will allow us to run it. But very quickly, we want to progress to the next stage, which is bidding to actually be able to cover freight and get paid for your time, right? And the only way you get to that next step is to ask a lot of questions. Find the freight within that shipper's routing guide that needs to get there. Yep, add value, get better, build trust. Right, that they're willing to pay the margin it costs to get it moved because they want it done right, because they've got a high opportunity cost if it doesn't, yep. i.e. their customer be pissed. They lose a customer. They don't ever get to work with that customer again, right? Those are the things we're trying to determine in a prospecting call anyway. So our last question is about international and specifically freight into Mexico. I've, I've gotten this question. I usually get like twice a year from an agent and they're like, hey, my customer has this opportunity, you know, going into Mexico. What do you think I should do? And I just... I usually tell them I would stay away from it because you don't know the first thing about it. Mexico is the wild west when it comes to the the transportation side of things compared to how things are regulated and managed in the U.S. Even Canada's more as looser than the U.S., but Mexico is a whole other world. Um, so I usually recommend if it's a one-off, either don't worry about it, or if they want a quote, you can get with a freight forwarder who specializes in custom clearance and cross-border moves and has carrier capacity in Mexico, um, and you can go that go that way with it. But if you are an expert in this field, which Kevin Hill built his book of business off of that yeah, Mexico into the U S that was his niche, right? That su- Southern border freight. Um, so you may want to learn. So I guess what was the question? It was, how do I handle freight going into Mexico? Well, here's how it actually, here's the process, right? Um, a truck, a lot of carriers in the U S won't go to Mexico. They just yep. won't do it. So a lot of times a, a load will go to like Laredo or another cross border city. It will then be drayed across the border, clear customs on the other side, and at another facility like a distribution center or a cross dock, a Mexican domicile carrier will pick it up and deliver it to wherever it goes. Uh, very confusing because as the broker in the U.S., if you were to coordinate all this, right, and you're not a customs broker, 
So let's say you, you hired one and you got it all taken care of. You have no visibility necessarily when it gets to Mexico. None. And like also being able to vet insurances and verify that in a different native speaking language is going to, you know, it's just more risk. Yep. Right. So like from the point of view, like, I don't know, that I've always looked at is if you want to do that, make it worth your time. So learn what you need to become well-versed in it and then go find a customer that does a lot of it and then own it. But to do it again, piecemeal, there's just a whole lot of risk when we don't know all of the nuances around it and the return you're going to get what the margin on one or two loads, the amount of risk you're taking is far outweigh the making a couple hundred bucks on a few loads. And maybe you'll say, Ben, Nate, but I have a carrier that will go into Mexico and they'll go through that whole customs process and clear it. Well, remember we talked about cabotage on Mm -hmm. our last episode. They're going to have to deadhead back to the U S unless they can find themselves a load in Canada or in in Mexico Mexico coming back back. to the States. So you got to pay them round trip. Yep. And then now all of a sudden, all that margin you wanted to make, you kind of had to throw at the carrier just to get it done in the first place. Yep. But this is why, because of cabotage and all that, this is why you'll see a lot of U.S. carriers drop at the border. It's drained across because that drainage company can then pull whatever's coming across that's already there, or they can deadhead it back if they need to. And then the Mexican carrier takes it from there. So good questions, good discussion. Um, What's going on with the fundraiser? Anything new? No, making progress. We've been able to help a ton. We've got a a local uh, private group that we've been sharing a lot of the pictures and stuff, but it's really nice to be able to have an impact in a situation that is just beyond comprehension. How bad it is and just what we've seen over there, you know, as the troops have pulled back out of Kiev is atrocities. I mean, mean, the fundraiser has been a great way for, you know, everybody involved to be able to contribute. Um, We speak to the refugees every morning. My wife's on the phone helping them find different things to do and just being a voice for them to be able to talk to because, I mean, imagine having to literally leave your home today without maybe your husband, right? And just taking your children in a backpack and then walking 50 miles to another country where you don't speak that language. And now you've got to find some way to survive until you can get back home. So, I mean, those are a lot of the specific things we're helping with. Just the money's going directly to food, helping them buy clothing because they couldn't take things. Last week, we bought some appliances for a few of the families so that they're able to actually like cook store food. So, I mean, the people we've been working with in Poland have been tremendous. They have gone above and beyond. And, you know, everybody been involved. Like, can't thank you enough. If you want to donate, the, you know, the links in the show notes, even 5 or $10 goes a long way to helping those that don't really have anything at this point in time. Definitely. Well, good stuff. Good episode, man. First one in person in the books, right? We, I know we did a, uh, a coaching call last year together, but it's always good to, to get on the same screen in front of the same microphone. So... Absolutely. Any closing thoughts here? Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And until next time, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Check out the show notes for links to anything that we've referenced on this episode. And make sure to visit us online at Freight360.net to see our entire library of episodes, videos, blogs, and more. And make sure to check us out on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel for daily and weekly tips and content. If you'd like your question answered on the show, fill out the contact us form on our site and we'll see you next week.